Dracula's cult has based their spells on writings from a cursed book called the Darkhold. If he should ever possess the actual book itself, he would be unstoppable. But the Darkhold also carries seeds of Dracula's destruction. If we can recover the book and prepare the proper rituals, mankind need never fear the vampire again. My name is Conrad, along with my co-host Drew, and welcome to the 29th episode of Stranger by the Dozen, the weekly podcast where we recap the adventures of Dr. Stephen Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, six issues at a time. How's it going this week, Drew? Oh, you know, slightly hungover, but otherwise all right. <laughs> and speaking of hangovers, I just like to generally apologize to everybody for not having a podcast the last two weeks, been tied up with holiday events and so forth and so on. But we should now be back on our regular posting schedule until maybe this time in 2017. <laughs> yeah, more than likely. So you can follow the show on iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, and on any fine podcast app. You can contact the podcast at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com, on Twitter at strangerbythedozen, on Facebook or Instagram by searching for Stranger by the Dozen, or on our podcast network site at cradaline.com. So fancy. It's nice, you know. Yeah. Uh, so let's just recap a little bit of what's been going on previously. The big thing is that Doctor Strange is now in open warfare with Dracula. That's the Dracula, King of the Vampires, so on and so forth. Okay. Yeah, it's good. Dracula's being uh, assisted by the Darkholders, which is a cult that worships this ancient, you know, Necronomicon-esque book called the Darkhold. And they're all working together to try to, you know, superpower up Dracula so that he is ultra-powerful and doesn't, you know, doesn't feel the effects of standard Dracula weaknesses, which is a problem. I don't know if I like that. I think Dracula should get what's coming to him. Hey, we that might happen as well. <laughs> Listen, I'm a firm believer in the way things happen in the Castlevania games, all right? Oh, I don't know if there's going to be a lot of whip-based stuff. That's, that might be a problem. Oh, boo. Exactly. Boo. <laughs> let's get started with uh, Doctor Strange number 60 from August 1983. Assault on Avengers Mansion. Roger Stern Ryder, Dan Green Penciler, Terry Austin Inker, Janice Chang, Letterer, Bob Sharon Colorist, Alan Milgram Editor, Jim Shooter, Avenger. So, the comic this week sort of opens with, I'm, I'm thinking a, uh, like a, a West Side Story-esque uh, guy traveling through the cities of New York offering various gangs and groups of tough, like money if he'll join up with them. And then it turns out that, yep, they're all quickly converted to become disciples of Dracula himself. For, we can only assume, the titular assault on the Avengers Mansion. Man, to get lured in by this scheme for a grand sum of $50? <sighs> I mean, maybe he went further in, in 1983, 20 bucks. Yeah, but I guess. Also, you know, I don't know, if I'm just there on a Saturday night, like, I'll make 20 bucks. If some mysterious stranger offers me, you know, I'm not doing a lot that night. Whatever. I don't know. I would ask for more, some, some more details, you know? Nah, August is boring time. So, <laughs> speaking of mysterious strangers asking you for help, uh, as Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch, sort of lounges around her New Jersey um, town or her New Jersey home, just basically in her costume, just hanging out, reading books, it Dr. Strange appears in his astral form. Do comic book heroes just just kind of hang around in their costumes all day? Is that it? I mean, those things are, I assume, comfortable, but not that comfortable just to be lounging around in. I mean, maybe her and Vision are about to do some sort of role play or something like that. The Doctor Strange is oh, going to be weird. Got it. I mean, it's always weird with them. It's a it's a mutant date uh, dating slash married to a uh, a synthesoid. You know, it's sure. not normal. Okay, why not? That's so, fine. Yeah. So Doctor Strange arrives in his astral form and asks the Scarlet Witch if she knows anything about the Darkhold, and she does. Apparently they have crossed paths in previous issues of the Avengers and stuff. She, um, Doctor Strange asks if she knows his location, and she says yes, but she's also kind of trepidatious about it. Like even a, even a mighty sorcerer like Doctor Strange can't really handle the Darkhold. And he's like, even so, there's Dracula on the loose. And she's like, fine. Yeah, man, and Dracula's got to get what's coming to him. Exactly. Yeah. So so she tells him that it's 
at Stately Avengers Mansion, and he goes off to check it out. Meanwhile, she calls ahead to talk to Jarvis, the Avengers butler. And while apparently all the Avengers are out of town, uh, he says the, the Darkhold's quite safe just sitting on a table in the basement of the Avengers Mansion, which Doctor Strange then confirms with his astral form. Meanwhile, <laughs> at uh, Dracula HQ, they've kidnapped a dude from AIM and interrogate him about the Avengers base, and he explains that while it's got all these defenses and stuff, there's also an underground sub- Entrance subquay? What do they call sure. it? Uh, sure. Um, like point, a submarine point, pen in the basement. Yeah. Point of observation. You know, for for a being that has been alive for seemingly hundreds of years, potentially thousands. Yeah, I'd say like five, like yeah, like a thousand years or so. Yeah, yeah, you'd think that Dracula would have like a much more fancy secret base than like a seedy-looking location in some alley in the West Side. Okay, one. <laughs> <laughs> he's been dead for a while and he's only recently basically been brought back to life by these dark holders so he's using the dark holder base all right second of all he's got a cool base he's got a sweet castle in transylvania but transylvania isn't in new york buddy it's in the balkans you know listen i'm just saying that my the majority the bulk majority of my knowledge of dracula comes from castlevania that, that castle goes places, man. What? Yeah. Okay. We'll see. <laughs> but anyhow, there's, yeah, there's a submarine pen in the basement of the Avengers Mansion, and Dracula's like, that gives me an idea. Meanwhile, Doctor Strange returns to the Sanctum Sanctorum, sort of meets up with Wong and Hannibal King and all those guys, and is like, look, we gotta, uh, whatchamacallit, figure out this thing with the Darkhold. Uh, Doctor Strange opens up the Orb of Agamotto, Tries to figure out where his where our foes, the Dark Holders, are bound next, and Dip, it's definitely straight to Avengers Mansion. So, oh snap! It's like a straight-on, full-on assault. There's like, yeah, well, basically every every tough thug and no good Nick in New York City's been hired to attack Avengers Mansion. And as they sort of run willy-nilly through the dozens of traps and defenses of the mansion. Uh, Doctor Strange and Hannibal King and all those guys also head off to stop to stop them. Even as the only Avenger who apparently who's home that night, uh, my buddy Captain Marvel, aka Monica Rambeau, st- seeks to, st- to to fight them off. It's still looking bad. <laughs> okay. The okay, hold up. Yeah, I'm assuming that you know these are just your everyday common street thug. It seems uh, like it. Street street uh, homo street thuggiest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, homo sapiens thuggiest, please. Yes. That's the one. It's a subgroup. As opposed to <laughs> homo sapiens superior, which are mutants. You know what I mean? Right. No, no. <laughs> homo sapiens th- uh, thuggiest. Would these yeah. units really be able to, like, you know, take on the Avengers Mansion, which I'm assuming has its defenses built by Tony Stark? Um, I mean, it seems like there's just enough of them that, you know, each trap, like, springs once. And oh, then right. that group's taken down. So, like, you know, so some get taken down by steel detention uh, coils. The rest, others are taken down by this titanium net. Yeah, uh, okay. Guys get zapped by laser beams, but everybody keeps going. Like, the the, the rats that are also part of the tide of humanity uh, claw through the uh, power lines of the laser beams and stuff. Okay. Okay. Power numbers. I see. All right. Yeah, they're just smashing through. You know, the the all these traps, <laughs> they're there to hold people off until the Avengers actually show up, right? Right. It's just that this is a bad night, and only Captain Marvel, who's excellent, and I love her in Next Wave, is there. But she's not enough to stop this tide, which is why it's handy that Doctor Strange and Hannibal King show up and start wrecking house as well. Okay. Although, even as they do, the lesser sorcerers of the Darkhold begin to fight Doctor Strange magically and stuff. But, to your point, also, (laughs) it seems like a lot of this is actually just a distraction as uh, Dracula himself goes underwater and starts making his way through the subterranean um, underwater tunnels through the back door of the Avengers Mansion. But, you know, it's a big melee. 
Scarlet Witch shows up and beats everybody up, and everybody's, you know, eventually the tide of bad dudes is defeated by the combined force of uh, Doctor Strange, Hannibal King, Captain Marvel, and Scarlet Witch. So it's good times. Clearly, they were not bad enough dudes to save the president. I mean, break into Avengers Mansion. I mean, sometimes you also need some quality with your dudes as well as quantity. You know what I mean? Just saying. I mean... Yeah. No, fair enough. Listen, I've seen some bad dudes in my time, all right? Yes. These guys were neither bad dudes, nor double dragons, nor did they have the River City Ransom. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, with the the, uh, bad dudes defeated... (laughs) <laughs> with their quarters run out, Doctor Strange manages to confront Dracula as he comes out of the water in the Avengers' basement. Oh, uh, yeah. Now he's going to get what's coming to him. Nah. He just, like, whatchamacallism, him, blasts him back into the water. Uh, Doctor Strange makes a bunch of Doctor Strange copies and sort of surrounds Dracula. And, and, and Dracula sort of starts punching his way through. As Dracula makes his way through all the all the defenders, the actual Doctor Strange casts a desperate spell on the Darkhold. And just as Dracula makes his way to the book, to the book itself, it disappears to parts unknown. Oh no! Wait, no, that's a good thing. Yes. Yeah, it was Doctor Strange's plan. You know. All right. As um. Captain Marvel threatens Dracula by just shooting him with pure ultraviolet rays. And everybody else is like, you don't, you know, you aren't tough enough, Dracula, and the book's not here anyway, so scram. Yeah. <laughs> Get Eventually, here, Dracula, nobody likes you. <laughs> exactly. As they sort of yell and taunt Dracula, Dracula's like, fine, I didn't want to hang out here anyway. And Whatever, the dark, you, guys, uh, you guys are jerks. <laughs> exactly. Except it's Vothever, because he's Dracula. <laughs> he sends a, a mental summons to the Dark Holders and they teleport him away. So, with so Dracula's temporarily defeated, it's time to go get the book. Doctor Strange teleported it without having a chance to sort of think about it. You know where he's teleported it to, Drew? Oh, uh, where'd he teleport it to? The castle of Baron Mordo. Oh, wait, that seems bad. Oh, you know. Let's get into it in <laughs> Doctor Strange 61 from October 1983. Power be the prize. Roger Stern writer, Dan Green penciler, Rick Magyar inker, Joe Rosen letterer, Bob Sharon colorist, Carl Potts editor, Jim Shooter video rental. Wait, what? We start this issue with a oh, duo of, of TV. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not. Yeah. With, with, with a duo of dark holders watching the front of the Sanctum Sanctorum with, like, a video camera, the height of 1983 technology. (laughs) (laughs) As they do, they see Doctor Strange leave the front of the Sanctum Sanctorum and uh, get in a private car and drive off. They send guys to follow him, more Darkholders, but decide to keep watching, and as they do, they see another Doctor Strange exit the Sanctum Sanctorum, hail a cab, and also take off. As uh, uh, the as the dark holder, oh, go ahead, Drew. The classic art of misdirection. Yeah, it's really easy when you have magical powers, you know. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> um, several dark holders follow Doctor Strange. The Doctor Stranges, I should say. One catches up to um, Doctor Strange as he gets on a train in Penn Station, rips off his uh, amulet, and it's revealed to be Doctor Strange's business manager, Sarah Wolf. Oh no. Or Sarah, what's her name? Yeah. Well, hey. Well, I like that. And then she kicks this guy in the face when he says that. Nice. Solid. Especially <laughs> with that heel. Yeah. So she runs off, grabs the conductor, says, hey, these two guys tried to grab me. And then the conductor runs off after them. Meanwhile, in a similar thing, Doctor Strange on a plane, waiting at the waiting at the back of the plane for the bathroom, as so many of us do, to no good um, Darkholder thugs pull a knife on him, which seems pretty crazy for an airport airplane. And then a Sky Marshal shows up and pulls a gun on them and and, and, and drags them off to be like arrested with, when the plane leave, lands. And then this Doctor Strange also removes his amulet, revealing himself to be actually Doctor Strange's girlfriend, Morgana Blessing. All right. Yeah. It's a triple double cross or something. At this point, a bum who's been sort of looking through cans and stuff as the Doctor Strange have left the Sanctum Sanctorum 
barges into the apartment of the Darkholder, um, the, the Darkholder spy guys, uh, beats him up magically, and reveals his, and removes his fake beard, revealing himself to be the actual Doctor Strange. His fake beard is pretty funny, and he wears oh, it over, great. and he wears it over his handlebar mustache, which is funny too. <laughs> which doesn't make any sense, but sure, whatever. It's weird when people wear fake, fake facial hair over real facial hair, you know? Yeah. But it's a nice precursor to uh, Bearded Strange. It's true, yeah. This is the uh, put your inception clock for Bearded Strange right here in 1983. (laughs) So he finds that they have been using this crystal to identify him. And so it's lucky that he uses not used. So he's lucky that he used non-magical means to disguise himself because otherwise they would have seen him coming. But now he was like off their radar. So instead, Dr. Strange goes to a storefront and an import export stop in uh, basically the Hollywood slums section of New York city where it's just like, Whoa, like this is super slummy. Yeah. And in the basement, he finds Wong Hannibal King and Hannibal King's uh, buddies, Frank Drake and blade. Oh yeah. Gotta say uh, blade is rocking the, Awesome pair of goggles there. This is early early eighties blade where he wore green goggles and had hair, as opposed to you know our more classic blade where he wears sunglasses and is bald. Yeah, or maybe has a flat top, but still, you know, he's still working on his blade look. That's what I'm trying to say. Also, the red pea coat and the green pants is a nice mix too. That's just uh, eight, like comic book coloring stuff. And and also the the bandolier full of stakes. Yeah, we'll see. In, in this era. Um, as opposed to using katanas and stuff, Blade uses wood, like aged teak wood, uh-huh. which, when sharpened, is as sharp as steel, basically. Uh, and so he okay. uses that to sort of stake vampires and other things like that. Gotcha. Also, on this team, I'll mention uh, the, the, the last guy, Frank Drake, is uh, Dracula's oldest or, or last living an- um, descendant. And Dracula sort of pops in periodically to mess with him, basically. Oh, that's that's a jerk move. Yeah, so he's sort of swore, sworn revenge as well. Oh, yeah, and, if you you know you had your like your great granddad or great 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 granddad being like, "Ha ha, you suck!" It's like, God damn it. I mean, that's happened to me, and it is terrible. <laughs> so here's where Doctor Strange sort of explains that yes, the Darkhold. You know, I've got the Darkhold. Yes, or I'm sorry, I don't have it. The Darkhold is in Castle is in Castle Mordo, and it has both the means to give Dracula ultimate power, but also has the means to destroy him. So let's head out and get it going. So they all board a supersonic jetliner and head out. Along the way, everybody has a, a, con- a contemplative set of thoughts that are like you know, uh, like I'm I'm Hannibal King and I'm a vampire and I'm not happy about it. Or, I'm Blade, and Dracula killed my mama, and I'm going to get finally Avenger. Or, Listen, um, man. Yeah. I don't know how you while away the hours on board a supersonic flight, but self-contemplation is what I do. To me, it just really reminds me of this classic um, joke comic book panel, or not, you know, meme comic book panel, I guess, where yeah. someone um, threatens a bunch of DC heroes, and they all think about uh, their girlfriends, except for Batman thinks about Robin, you know? <laughs> I don't know. It's funny. But anyhow. <laughs> at this point, uh, Dracula has sort of figured out that Doctor Strange is on the move. He gives us actually a weird, like, super backstory of vampires in the Marvel Universe, like where they came from and stuff. How, like, vampires were created by this faction of bad guys in a prehistorical Atlantis before Atlantis sunk and stuff. Right. And they created vampires to be their greatest servants by reanimating the bodies of their dead enemies. But then the vampires were too strong and overthrew the dark holders, which, you know, I'll mention this um, later as well, but you know, generally just let your enemies die, you know, make undead and en- make undead allies out of your friends. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay, sure. I guess. <laughs> so, Dracula has his buddies look at the uh, uh, form a mystic scrying thing to see if the people watching Doctor Strange, the Sanctum Sanctorum, are okay. He finds them passed out. It's a pretty cool moment where he shouts "Strange" at the top of his lungs, 
and then sends a mental command to all of his disciples and followers to say if anybody's seen Doctor Strange and the and uh, the rest of the vampire hunting crew. They get turned in by some random old world guy. <laughs> and so now Dracula's on the move to stop them, even as our team in a truck drives up to stately Castle Mordo. So you'll remember Castle Mordo, Drew, from yeah. um, when we did the uh, the Book of Cagliostro stro- um, saga. Right. Where, uh, where, Cicine- where it turned out Cagliostro was Cicineg, and then Cicineg remade the Earth in his own image and stuff. But yeah. it was all... But it was all exactly the same, you know? Yeah. At, at that point, Castle Mordo was floating in the sky. It's since come back down to Earth. Well, good. Yeah. It's, Luckily, good, to be, it's good to be current and grounded to these kind of things. Absolutely. Meanwhile, uh, Mordo himself isn't there. We'll remember that he's died recently. He tried to become one with the universe oh, and had failed. mind blown, right? Yeah. Well, like, well, and then he was, like, in the past where we f- saw him where uh, Dormammu got... Um, Killed in the 1940s and stuff, and then came back, whatever. But Mordo was involved with that. His body got his body and spirit were crushed and stuff. He's pretty dead at the moment. I'm, you know, he'll be back. Oh, he's yeah. Mordo. He's but at Mordo. the moment, yeah, yeah. I remember actually all of these comics are collected in or are collected in a, in a, in a graphic novel that's called like Doctor Strange vs Dracula, basically. And <laughs> it's funny because they kind of say like. Oh yeah, Mordo's dead, but they don't give any. And I, and I thought like, oh, I wonder like how he died or whatever. And I, was, it, I in in retrospect, it's glad I didn't know because it's just very confusing and involves time travel and other weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but now our boys, they're coming into Castle Mordo. It's got a bunch of like defenses. There's like arrow traps and magically animated suits of armor and stuff. So as they make their way through the traps of Castle Mordo, Dracula's doing some pretty neat stuff where he's basically going from one uh, supersonic jet to another, <laughs> um, making his way from like the New York City area to Transylvania, because that's where Mordo's castle is. Incidentally, huh. Baron Mordo is a baron of part of, of Transylvania. So in fact, like stately Mordo Manor is like. Ten, 10 blocks away from stately Dracula Manor. It's very ironic. So, just like Transylvania seems to be like this place where, you know, various people of nefarious backgrounds get uh, countships and, and baronhoods. Yeah, that seems right. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Like, you're like the, uh, you're the Ottoman Empire. You control most of um, Greece and the Balkans above it and stuff. You kind of need one section. We've got guys who are powerful enough to get Lordships, but you don't really want them to do to bother with anything. So you just kind of toss them in Transylvania, and nobody really worries about them. I guess that's what it seems yeah, like. Them toss them in Transylvania, give them a, a baronhood, it'll be fine. Yeah, it's fine. So it was for the for the grandparents of Baron Carl Mordo. So it was for I think like Vlad Dracul himself or whatever. Who knows? But. <laughs> Anyhow, basically, a navy plane lands. The uh, the pilot inside's dead, and out floats the mist of of Dracula. He'll later also take control of a Russian fighter jet that lands in um. Oh wait, not Russian. It's another. It's Italian jet. Um, whatever. He take he goes from one jet to another. The jet kind of crashes in the wilderness outside of Castle Mordo. Dracula coolly mist forms away from the flaming jet wreckage and is like, now I'm going to take down Castle Dracula. Or, does, sorry, now I'm going to take he, down Castle Mordo and all those Darkholder guys. D- does he not look at the explosion while he's walking away? Of course he doesn't. Ah, oh, so cool. I mean, one, in mist form, he doesn't really have a, fa- a front or a back. But then even then, he stands, be- he stands in front of the fire as he swears that he'll take down Doctor Strange. It's pretty oh, that's cool. so cool. <laughs> Meanwhile, our guys, Doctor Strange, and the rest of the uh, Night Stalkers or whatever, I forget what the name of this team, I believe it's Night Stalkers, they have managed to tame Castle Mordo, and they begin their preparations for the final showdown with Dracula. So, so let's go on to Doctor Strange number 62 from December 1983. So deli- I want to oh, go ahead. I want to pause here for a quick moment because this is yeah. the coolest 
comic book cover I've ever seen. This is a really cool episode in general, actually. But yeah, it's basically it shows a, a scene from later in the in this comic where sort of Doc, where Dracula attacks Doctor Strange as Doctor Strange holds the Darkhold, and then their battle shifts to the astral plane where things get really awesome. And yeah, there's like a, a physical Dracula attacking Doctor Strange and then a ghostly Dracula and Doctor Strange fighting above them. It's, it's so awesome. Yeah, this is actually a really good issue in general. So it's Deliver Us From Evil, uh, Roger Stern writer, Steve Lehola, artist, Jim Novak letterer, Bob Sharon colorist, Carl Potts editor, Jim Shooter, all wise. So it's the big showdown, all right? It's uh, Doctor Strange and then his team of Wong, Blade, Frank Drake, and Hannibal King all preparing to take down Dracula. Meanwhile, Dracula waits on the hills above Castle Mordo, but waiting for night to begin his, uh, his assault. So there's a bunch of cool shots of like everybody getting ready, like Blade sharpening his teak knives and Frank Drake getting out his pistol and cross. Wong doing some crazy katas with his bow staves and stuff. Um, it's neat. And so as they prepare, finally, Dracula attacks. And basically, everybody outclasses him pretty effectively. Or Dracula outclasses everybody pretty effectively. They jab wooden knives in his chest, and it doesn't seem to do anything. He, uh, he doesn't even flinch. The powers that he's gotten from the Darkholders have moved him beyond standard Dracula weaknesses, which is oh, dang. no good for anybody. Crosses, stakes to the heart. These are the traditional things. They are not working. Even Hannibal King in Vampire, in going full vampire, cannot, barely even slows Dracula. He, he, he decides that he'll come back and, you know, bite them and drink their blood later, and instead crashes his way into the central hold of, of Castle Mordo, where he finds Doctor Strange sitting in the lotus position with a dark hold in his hands, uh, floating several feet above the ground. Dracula attacks, and as he does, his spirit enters the astral plane. Welcome to another reality, Dracula. Welcome to the world of Doctor Strange. That sounds like an awesome theme park, by the way. Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. The two of them fight astrally, and as they do, they're sort of uh, frozen in, in place in the real world. So as they do this, the Doctor Strange's cloak of levitation, which he's sitting on, um, levitates him and Dracula 30 feet into the air over a, a, a magic circle drawn previously and covered by rugs. The team, the rest of the guys, you know, Wong, Blade, Hannibal King, Frank Drake, all roll away the carpet, and then above the floating combatants begin to cast a mighty, the mighty spell from the Darkhold, the Montessi formula, they, they call it. This great spell which will not just destroy Dracula, but banish all vampires from the Earth. Finally, vampires getting what's coming to them. <laughs> As Dracula and Doctor Strange fight in desperate astral combat, the other guys stand with their like arms out and their fingers just touching each other as they recite this powerful spell. It's in sort of, you know, gibberish Latin, so don't worry about it too much. Meanwhile, uh, Hannibal King, who is, of course, a vampire, actually feels it working. He feels himself slowly being un unmoored in reality by this spell. That, that seems bad. You know, it's not good. You know, they've sort of had some discussion about it, and Hannibal King, being a basically good guy, is willing to sacrifice himself. Is willing to destroy all the rest of the vampires, if it, even if it means his own destruction, you know? Oh, dang. And the spell works as... Dracula leaves the astral plane and returns to the real world defeated. Doctor Strange holds the dark hold over his head and completes the spell. As he does, Dracula begins to dissolve away the icor in his body turning to dust. The dust turning to or his his flesh turns to ash, the ash turns to dust, the dust turns to nothingness. He's banished from all reality. Oh, dang. Yeah. Doctor Strange wraps the Darkhold in his cloak of levitation and then gathers 
the non-Hannibal King members of his team together, as now it's time to try to save Hannibal King. And there's a really cool section, sort of these last couple pages of, of the comic book, where they do, where they sort of intersperse like this massive blood transfusion they do with King to try to keep him alive and basically devampire him. As the Montesi formula spells sort of spreads out along the world, you see it also taking effect on different vampires, sort of as one that's like about to attack a woman in London and she turns to dust as he does. There's a high-powered agent in um, Los Angeles who's entering a hip new part, who's entering a hip party and then also disappears. As they finally uh, cure Hannibal King, we go to Dracula's like evil but not super evil daughter Lilith, and we see her sort of being resigned and appre- and final and appreciating that finally she no longer has to walk the earth a vampire and perhaps she'll have a chance to get even with her father when they're both in hell. (laughs) As this happens, the process on Hannibal King is actually successful because he's never tasted human blood as a vampire. He's the only one able to be saved from the effects of the Montesi formula. And the comic ends with him feeling in his mouth and realizing that his fangs are gone. And the whole group walking to the balcony of Castle of Castle Mordo to greet the sun, Hannibal King, for the first time in many years. And that's Dracula versus uh, Doctor Strange, dude. That's awesome. Finally, a, vampires got what's coming to them. Yeah, so we'll see it maybe in an episode or two, I believe. But basically, all vampires have been destroyed on Earth. Extra-dimensional vampires attempting to enter Earth will um, are, are instantly destroyed when they enter our plane. Oh, dang. Yeah, but we'll see it happen. But um, the counterpoint is that, um, like, non-mystical vampires, so I guess Morbius, the uh, Spider-Man villain, is probably the best example of this, are unaffected. Like, if you've... If you're, like, a mutant that drinks blood, or if if you're the subject of some sort of scientific um, event that's caused you to basically be a vampire, but not actually be a vampire, you know? Like, you still need blood... But maybe, but you aren't like uh, supernaturally powered or something. You're powered through science, despite your bloodlust. <laughs> then you're okay. But supernatural vampires all gone. So I have a question. Yeah, hit me. What about Blade? Blade is so at this point in this ver- this version of Blade is not a vampire. Okay. Like I, I know when um, like let me quickly look in Marvel Wikia, but I don't think that da- I think that Daywalkers either come in a uh, might be a retcon that comes later or it might just be based on the uh, on the movies or something um yeah he's like tainted by the uh by the vamp like because i guess his mother was killed by dracula or by a vampire i guess he sort of was tainted by the blood of a vampire but is not really like a vampire himself i could be wrong about this if you're a Big Blade fan. I'm sorry that I've gotten it wrong. You know, right, right. Well, but it's it's not quite this like it's not quite the same. And I feel like if you're a human who's been sort of affected by dra- by vampire blood, you're also not destroyed. Maybe just lose those powers or something like that. I don't know. Okay. Well, I just have to say one thing. Hit me. It it must really stink for him not to lose his you know main line of work. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, he only he only kills uh he only kills vampires. Yeah. I mean, we'll sort of we'll sort of see them. We'll see them a couple issues. They seem to be doing okay. Like, there's still some monster stuff. But I, my understanding is that this was part of a general move by Marvel for a period of time in the early '80s, at least, to be a little bit less, have a little bit less supernatural stuff, and sort of close the door on some of those things. Like, this is also um, like Hellstrom sort of retiring in the pages of the Defenders and stuff like that. Ah. Like, we're getting a little bit less devilly for a while, at least. Yeah, for a while. It all comes back. Vampires will be back in about 10 years. Like, Dracula's going to be back in, like, 95 or something like that. You know. In time time for the rise of the Midnight Suns, which is my favorite. Which is the, uh, the, uh, this is why I started liking comics era for Conrad. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be covering it extensively on the podcast. All right. Gotcha. Okay. But that's still, that's still, like, 12 years away in our current timeline. But... Man, I really loved that um, 
that series and that Montessi formula uh, storyline is really awesome. What's maybe less awesome, unfortunately, are the next three comics that we're looking at this week. Oh no. So, Drew, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with Doctor Strange number 63, alright? Alright. Alright. Break it up! Break it down! He's Drew. We're Stranger by the Dozen, of course. Uh, let's start with Doctor Strange 63 from February 1984. Cry of the Spirit. Carl Potts story and art. Bob Sharon coloring. Jim Novak lettering. Al Milgram and Ann Nascenti guest editors. Jim Shooter, master of the editorial arts. So, like, man, we just had this great sort of series of stories that were all about taking down Dracula and being really ridiculous and stuff. Yeah, those are awesome. Yeah, this comic is rough. Oh. And, like, I don't know. Trigger warning, I guess. Like, there's some sexual assault stuff and things like that in this issue. And it's a bummer. And it's a bummer on top of something really ridiculous. So I want to have fun with a ridiculous thing, but then it gets serious. So it's tough, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So the ridiculous thing is that Sarah Wolf and Doctor Strange are heading out to see a master of kiyatsu, which is the uh, martial art that involves screaming or yelling very loud. Oh, that sounds something. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I first learned about it in a famous role-playing game supplement slash base game, Ninjas and Super Spies from Palladium. <laughs> okay. And I feel like either the guys that wrote Ninjas and Super Spies either read this comic or both them and the guys and uh, Carl Potts who wrote this comic read the same list of martial arts magic powers because their descriptions of them are very similar. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so along the way to the Kiyatsu demonstration, um, Dr. Strange and, or Steven and Sarah sort of bump into this random guy that's being chased down by a bunch of like young toughs. And they're about to beat the crap out of this guy, but then Doctor Strange sort of magically removes the clothes of all the attackers, and they run away. That's weird. Yeah. And, you know, so just just done, I guess, Doctor Strange continues to the Kiyatsu demonstration. It's this Japanese guy. He can shout really loud and, like, break boards with his uh, voice. He asks for volunteers from the, from the audience. One of them is Doctor Strange. The other one is... A guy who was an, was an all-American tackle at Notre Dame. The uh, Kiyatsu guy, Akira Natobi, asks the uh, football guy to charge at him and then stops him with a shout, uh, which makes his nose bleed. And then he also heals the guy's nose bleed with a, like, sharp kind of noise. <laughs> So, um, his shout powers seem pretty decent, honestly. Yeah, Do no, they seem pretty, pretty legit. Yeah, so Doctor Strange and Sarah go backstage and talk, to, and talk to Akira for a while, and then eventually Doctor Strange invites him back to the Sanctum Sanctorum to, like, you know, continue their conversation. As they do, his, um, his daughter, uh, Kiko, stays behind to, like, clean things up around the, uh, around the theater and whatever. So, okay. Dr. Strange and Akira. So Steven and Akira talk late into the night until finally there's a knock on the door and in stumbles Akira's daughter, Kiko, sort of supported by Wong. She's been beaten and assaulted 
which is pretty horrifying, frankly. Like they like take yeah. her to the hospital and like things are looking really bad. Yeah. Uh, from the hospital, Doctor Strange and Akira like go out on the hunt for the dude, basically for the guy that uh, did this. As they do, Akira gets a phone call saying that his daughter has died. Oh, jeez. And they find the guy, and it's the guy Doctor Strange saved from being beaten up at the beginning of the comic. And Akira's out for blood trying to kill him, and Doctor Strange, you know, who's taken oaths against killing people and stuff, has to stop him. He has to protect this rapist murderer, basically. (laughs) Um, As Akira's, like, justified rage... His incredible shouting powers, like def- like destroy Doctor Strange's defenses, and Doctor Strange has to take all of them into the astral plane, basically, to protect them so that doesn't destroy the whole city. Essentially, eventually, the guy confesses and says that he'll turn himself into the police, and that's the only thing that stops Akira from trying to kill the uh, to kill the the assailant, essentially. But and this is like the ridiculous. The ridiculous stuff, I should say. The final page of the comic is the rapist going free because he's the cousin of a U.S. ambassador and like has diplomatic immunity or something. Wait, what? And that's it. And it ends with with Natobi with a, with Akira Natobi like shouting so loud that you can see the apartment building he's in shaking. And Doctor Strange, like, like looking dejected out the window, like, how can the world exist with this much injustice? And it's ridiculous. It's terrible. It's, like, this... We- it's, it's so... To me, it's so crappy that we have this awesome, fun, like, killing all the vampires kind of story. And so I'm real high and, and like, having fun with Doctor Strange and immediately get this crazy, like, depressing, evil, shades of gray kind of story, you know? It's, like, Man. a huge... It's a huge Man. bummer, and like it, it, it doesn't come up again. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, for for reasons. Jeez. So uh, is... like, it's really like one of the worst comics that we've read so far, just because it's so like grim, seemingly for no reason. You know? Yeah. No kidding. God. But so, you know, and it's tough because then for a palate cleanser from that, we go to uh, Moon Knight 36 from March 1984. And this is, like, also not really a great comic. Oh, dude. So, I don't know if you... Are you familiar with Moon Knight, Drew? I am vaguely familiar with Moon Knight. All right. So, I just want to... I want to get away from that Dr. Strange because I want to do a ton of analysis on it. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, not, let's not dwell on that for okay. all that long because, yeah, that was terrible. So, Moon Knight's one of these guys, is one of the many competitors in the... Um, Let's have a Marvel version of Batman, basically. So he's like a night-based superhero, like in like the time of day based night super night-based superhero. <laughs> um, he's got kind of a distinctive costume. He throws boomerangs that are shaped like his theme. You know, he's got a bunch of moon-shaped boomerangs. He's got a moon sh- a moon-shaped plane or helicopter sometimes. All that stuff. So you're. This guy is very Batman-esque. Yes. All right. the, the big difference is that he's also got a bunch of multiple personality things. Like, oh. classically, Moon Knight has, like, three distinct personalities, where one is, like, one's Moon Knight. <laughs> or, no, maybe four, then, I guess. There's Moon Knight. There's, like, you know, billionaire playboy. There's, uh, like, a professional mercenary. And then, like a uh, a cabbie who like is is his informant, basically. Okay. But so, uh, Moon Knight also like has some limited powers. He gets them from the Egyptian god Khonshu. But for a long period of time, um, Khonshu or he like rejected that stuff and just was did like traditional. Um, superhero stuff, I guess, sort of combined with his multiple personality things and things like that. You know. Okay. He's a night-based guy who wears all white, which is also his other thing, you know? (laughs) Yeah, okay. But this one, Moon Knight 36, is apparently um, an attempt to get Moon Knight back to be a little bit more mystical and have a little bit more sort of ghost stuff going on. I know this because... (laughs) There's three pages of like text and previews before this comic starts. 
where one's like, there is some secret a man only learns at the cost of his own soul. And then there's like a title page for this issue that's like Stanley presents ghosts. And then a third one by the author or by author slash editor Denny O'Neill sort of saying like we're going in a new direction for Moon Knight and stuff. So, whatever. This is all sort of a setting up the uh, new look Moon Knight. A, a uh, all new, all different kind of Moon Knight, basically. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So, it's called Ghosts. Alan Zelnitz, scripter. Bo Hampton, artist. Joe Rosen, letterer. Ben Sean, colorist. Denny O'Neill, editor. Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. So, it starts in uh, 13th century B.C. Or, I'm sorry, in 20th century B.C. <laughs> where there's an evil kind of magician dude. He's sacrificing cats, which are sacred Egyptian animals. That really bums me out, man. Yeah, it's a bummer. Well, luckily, he's immediately arrested by Khonshu, who is the, uh, or by a priest of Khonshu, who is, uh, you know, the successor of Moon Knight. And he's put to death. So good times. Wow. That's pretty, wow. Okay. Yeah, don't mess with cats. They're sacred animals in Egypt. Yeah, we all know this. No kidding. Jeez. However, they like the ancient, um, like the ancient Atlantean guys, decide to uh, ensure his his mortal his immortal soul by uh, mummifying him because it's ancient Egypt and this guy's rich and stuff. Okay, and you have and you know, in a, if you're in ancient Egypt, you got to mummify the bad guys so that then later they can threaten uh, your chosen ones in the 20th century that's how how you do it you know what i mean <laughs> sure I yeah i feel like something could be avoided here by like not mummifying dudes <laughs> you gotta mummify them buddy how are they gonna how are they that's, gonna threaten your ancestors <laughs> that's just asking for zombies no for asking for mummies i'm sorry mummies not zombies mummies i mean mummies are kind of zombies honestly yeah but so they put a uh, they seal his soul in by putting a turquoise necklace on him a necklace that uh, 4,000 4, years later is being worn around the neck of Marlene, who is the girlfriend of Mark Spector. Mark Spector being one of the personalities of the Moon Knight. Okay. And they're at a big Egyptian benefit, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, the Egyptian wing of the, um, of the museums showing about a bunch of stuff. We see some mummified cats. This lady's wearing a necklace that's uh, from a mummy. It's cursed, wouldn't you know? Yeah. Oh, actually, you know who does know? Who? Dr. Stephen Strange. Of course he does. This is a, such a weird Dr. Strange guest spot for me. Because he basically shows up in full costume, screaming about mummy curses. That doesn't really seem to be his style. Just saying. Which doesn't seem to be his style, and is the 100% worse worse. Yeah. Fact. It makes yeah. everybody freak out, especially because uh, Moon Knight is really anti-spiritual stuff. Uh, like, just because he's sort of, he feels like, you know, he's got a he's got a delicate mental state. He's got all these personalities to believe also in, like, ghosts and spirits would push his mind to the edge, essentially. So, he rejects them as Doctor Strange, sort of, again, in Doctor Strange costume, pleads with people, pleads with everybody to let him... Uh, Purge the evil spirit out of Marlene. <laughs> As meanwhile, a cat from the museum basement runs up and attacks her. Um, Marlene and 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 uh, Moon Knight basically decide things are too crazy out here, and they drive, take in their car and drive off. As Doctor Strange gives chase, flying through the air in his cloak of levitation. He's this... at one hundred percent non subtle. This uh, comic. What is what is going on? I don't what I don't know, man. I feel like Doctor Strange is drunk or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he drank too much and he's just like, I'm gonna take out this mummy curse. <laughs> he's not like kicking in the door of a museum like there's a there's a mummy yeah. curse around like here. Even... I'm gonna take care of it. Like this guy like changes into like magical street clothes to go get a cup of of, of a juice or something across the street. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's just trying to convince people in the ridiculous Dr. Strange costume. I don't know. It's like Dr. Brown for back to the future, shaking Marty with flight. Right. You're out of yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what it's like. So back at, uh, back at the mansion, back at Grant mansion or whatever, which I guess Grant is the last name of 
the playboy personality of Moon Knight. That's his last name. Um, Moon Knight's getting, putting on the costume, getting ready to go out for the night, and Marlene's kind of freaking out, whatever. Moon Knight heads out, and then suddenly Marlene speaks in evil voice. We know because her word bubbles are wobbly and have um, a yellow outline. Clearly that's evil voice. Yeah, so apparently she's um, the reincarnation of, or she's been taken over by the spirit of the Egyptian guy that got killed at the start of the comic, uh, Omtap. Got to kill Moon Knight using mystical abilities. Sure. Uh, yeah, so Dr. Dr. Strange is getting ready to help out, but doesn't matter. So Moon Knight, okay. The other thing about Moon Knight <laughs> is that he flies around in a helicopter. That helicopter is piloted by a French guy named Frenchie. Oh, God. And we see him. He We know he's cursed because he sees a bunch of, uh, you know, mugger guys trying to mug somebody, mug a couple in Central Park. And he jumps out of the helicopter, or out of the airship, I guess. No, helicopter, yeah. Out of the helicopter to stop them. And as he does, because he's clumsy because of the curse, he totally uh, whiffs on the way down, gets caught in a bunch of, uh, of tree branches, and just lands right on, on his keister in the middle of Central Park. And all the all of the uh, muggers like laugh at him and like try to shoot him, but then just graze him and he kind of hits him in the head with a boomerang and takes him all down. And he's like, man, like... This is a real, real amateur, um, real amateur hour for me. I don't know what's going on. When suddenly from behind his back, Doctor Strange shows up again, yelling at him like, "You're cursed! <laughs> <laughs> you messed up tonight because you're cursed." <laughs> Moon Knight's like, "Leave me alone, man! I'm having a bad night." He's like, "You're having a bad night because you're cursed, but I'm not cursed." It's gonna be like Doctor Strange falling around Moon Knight all around the city, just be like, just screaming, "You're cursed! You're cursed!" <laughs> That's literally what ha- what's happening. <laughs> he's yelling at him. He's calling him by his real name, not his uh, fake, not not like Moon Knight and stuff. Oh no, <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, back at the mansion, uh, Omtef controlling Marlene's getting more evil. We cut back to Moon Knight and Frenchie in their helicopter being attacked by demons. <laughs> Invisible demons, but Frenchie's just like, um, you know, Nom de Dieu, she's stick, I cannot get her loose. Meanwhile, Doctor Strange is flying <laughs> alongside the helicopter, just screaming, Get your cars! We haven't, we haven't quite gotten there yet. Instead, we see Marlene in her uh, night clothes. Uh, um, magically attacking um, <laughs> Moon Knight, and as she does, all the cats in the neighborhood massing about to attack her. It's pretty awesome. It's like I don't know if you've ever seen like four, like five or six cats in one place, and they all look at you, and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble. But that's basically yeah. what's happening now. <laughs> Meanwhile, Doctor Strange shows up, <laughs> casts <laughs> cast a spell by the hoary host of Hagoth, and the light of Cheetah never laughs. Bolts of development banish these fiends of the eternal infernal past. And then, um, you know, <laughs> fights some more demons and binds them and then sends them to oblivion. The uh, the Moon Knight helicopter lands and Doctor Strange flies up to them and is like, You're cursed! <laughs> I just saved you and you're cursed! <laughs> oh. Uh, Frenchie smokes a cigarette as Moon Knight and Doctor Strange run to Marlene's side. Before they can get there, the, the housekeeper of the mansion like uh, goes to try to get Marlene to come to bed, and as she, or, you know, to go to sleep because she's been attacked by cats and is having a weird night. And as she does, the housekeeper herself is attacked by cats, and there's just like maybe a dozen cats going coming after her here. Um, Moon Knight crashes through the window and does some really sturdy nunchuck-based cat fighting. <laughs> like he, he threatens them with nunchucks and finally agrees, like, alright, Doctor Strange, like you can help me out. And Doctor Strange is like, finally you realize you're cursed. <laughs> it's like this 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 panel of cats being hurled out of a room. Basically. <laughs> so uh, Doctor Strange finally helps. He essentially frees the spirit of Marlene to do to do battle with the spirit of uh, Kanchu inside uh, Moon Knight's body. Moon Knight manages to kick the crap out of him across time and space, and eventually the threat is no more. 
And in the process, uh, Moon Knight manages to master his will enough that he can deal with supernatural stuff without actually going super duper crazy. Doctor Strange then basically says, I told you, you were cursed, and flies off. And that's Moon Knight. <laughs> this seems so intensely out of character for Doctor Strange. It's really like, it's really intense. Yeah, no, I agree. Just the fact that he shows up, he does all this really high-handed stuff. Like, usually, people just sort of go with Doctor Strange, and he's an ally. And here, like, he's just, like, nagging Moon Knight the whole time, basically. And it's, yeah. a, really, it's a really weird take on the character. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's strange. Indeed. Yeah. So let's finish up with Avengers uh, 240 from February 1984. The Ghost of Jessica Drew. Roger Stern scripter, Anne Nascenti story consultant, Al Milgram breakdowns, Joe Sinnott finisher, Christy Scheel colorist, Mark Grinwald editor, Jim Shooter editor-in-chief. So, okay. Okay. I gotta give you some backstory about uh, Spider-Woman here. Alright. So, you know, so Spider-Woman's Jessica Drew. She's a cool lady. Mm-hmm. She has sort of, uh, kind of Spider-Man-ish powers, but not really. She's got her own thing. Right. She had her own comic. It was canceled. When it was canceled, they decided to finish it up by basically killing her. By having her, like, having her spirit be locked in some kind of astral plane type situation. And her body just be kind of in a coma, essentially, in the real world. Okay. And then, so that her friends wouldn't have to mourn her passing, she had her, um, the other, the, this wizard who was also trapped in the astral plane with her, uh, uh, Magus, basically brainwashed all of her friends and everybody on Earth, basically, to forget that she ever existed. What? Which is not what I would do in that situation, I gotta say. Yeah, that seems a bit extreme. Yeah, well, like, one, it's like, hey, if you're dead, like, you know, it's cool if your friends remember you. Like, don't yeah. be a jerk about it. But also, when your friends who are, when you're actually basically alive, and your friends you don't want to mourn you are literally the Avengers, like, you use your magic to tell them that you're trapped someplace. You don't make them forget you. Like, they can, they know people. They are people. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, they can make this kind of thing, you know, they can fix this kind of thing. This is well within their abilities. I mean, I know it's 1984 and we're in a period where the Avengers are definitely like the C team after various X-Men teams and so forth in terms uh -huh. of like Marvel, um, Marvel prominence and whatever. <laughs> like they can, they can call Dr. Strange. I mean, that's what they do when they find, when eventually the spirit stops work. When people start seeing the spirit of Spider-Woman over the body of Jessica Drew, which is apparently being sent by the evil Morgan Le Fay, FYI. Okay. <laughs> Who's also trapped in the astral plane with Magnus and Jessica Drew. But Morgan Le Fay was a big bad guy for Spider-Woman back in the day. That's sort of right. another thing you have to know. But so, all that being said, <laughs> we start our story in, you know, this comic starts in San Francisco with basically all the current female defenders sort of around Jessica Drew's bedside, or female Avengers, I should say, around Jessica Drew's bedside, and sort of semi-Avengers, too. You got your, your Tigra, your Wasp, your Captain Marvel, your Scarlet Witch, and your She-Hulk. It's good times. And they basically, because they're ladies, and ladies need help in 1980s comics, they start putting in uh, phone calls to important dudes, essentially. <laughs> um... They sort of talk to Vision, but Vision's currently haunted, you know, mentally taking control of Avengers Mansion, so it's like, whatever. Wasp tries to call, uh, hmm, what's his name? Donald Blake, uh, Thor's alter ego, who's a doctor. Um, Captain Marvel flies at the speed of light to get Doctor Strange. And Wasp even puts in the reluctant call to her now ex-husband, ex Hank Pym, who's the world's greatest biologist. And also noted jerk. Yeah, well, he's no longer a superhero at the moment, so I can't, he's not Yellow Jacket. I don't want to talk about how they originally got married by him pretending to be a supervillain and then blackmailing her into it. But, right. you know, is it a surprising? That's not, that's not weird at all. Nope. <laughs> is it surprising that they're divorced? Uh, not, not, not a ton. And, yeah. 
Hank Pym is a jerk. Yeah, although I think actually there's some decent writing in this comic about how the two of them meeting up and it being sort of like the way they write it sort of being awkward between them because they're sort of, you know, they parted basically amicably, but they don't really like like each other that or love each other, don't want to be reminded of their past relationship and stuff. That's pretty well written, I think. And, you know, it's a decent use of Hank Pym, who besides being a jerk is also this scientist guy. But it wasn't superheroing, so they bring him in for his for his mind, which is kind of neat, I guess. But whatever. Right. The important thing is that they're monitoring Jessica Drew as they do through a combination of mental stuff and Doctor Strange known stuff about mystic arts. They realize that she's in a coma. Her spirit is elsewhere on the astral plane. So Doctor Strange does what he does best. He summons the spirit of Jessica Drew to try to put it back in her body, not realizing that the spirit he's seeing of Spider-Woman is actually being enabled to appear on Earth by the power of Morgan Le Fay. And, like, the spirit is actually a projection of Morgan, essentially. So Morgan's plan is that Doctor Strange will will think that he's put Spider-Woman's spirit back in her body, but it'll actually be Morgan Le Fay in the powerful Spider-Woman body. And that's like her evil plan. And will she succeed? We'll find out next week on Stranger by the Dozen. Aw, oh, dang. Yeah, man. I think it's really cool, though, that Morgan Le Fay, big bad guy in the Doctor Strange TV movie, six years before this comic book, has finally at least crossed, has finally at least like crossed paths with Doctor Strange at least once. Well, yeah, I was kind of expecting that at some point. Yeah, you know, also just because she's a a magical character, and it's nice when magical characters fight each other, you know? Yeah, no, it's always good times. Yeah, so that's where we end. Hopefully, you know, next week we'll see if Doctor Strange is actually able to take down the... is finally able to get back to Earth, or if Spider-Woman will be resurrected. It'll be good times. What do you think of the comics this week, Drew? That, man, that, that one comic was a massive bummer, man. Yeah, man. Uh, what the heck? I, I, was, I was riding high on, like, you know, them fighting Dracula and vampires and then just brought it all crashing down. Yeah, it's like the whole thing is just, it's, the, it's, a, it's an incredibly bummer topic combined with, incre- with, like, an incredibly bummer end. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's no, like redeeming like oh like this is sad but at least justice prevailed or something like that no justice didn't even prevail he got away because of yeah. diplomatic immunity which a cousin of us jeez yeah like evil triumphs and everybody's like bummed out and you know i don't appreciate it is what i'm trying to say no it's bad it's bad it's called yeah. it it's bad but man that dracula story was really awesome right that was really good like i loved they did a, I, I thought they did a really good job of having a bunch of stories all at once of like both dracula and um dr strange and his crew like setting things up and then um like also seeing dracula sort of going at counterpoints and you know amassing an army and making his way to castle mordo and all that stuff like that was all really neat and it's fun to sort of tie up this doc- this Doctor Strange um, like crossover with Tomb of Dracula that we did in like the seventies or something like that. <laughs> like oh, like that's one um, that's one set of comic of uh, of comic crossovers that we finally dealt with. Like okay, fair enough. And yeah, so mixed bag this week. And I think the Avengers story is like whatever. It's one of these stories where. Doctor Strange is basically guest starring in other people's situations, so... He's, he's acting as a magical conduit and not really as really present as a character. Yeah, he's more sort of there to just say mystic stuff and whatever, which is which is fine. I kind of like covering them just because I think it's an, it gives us a chance to see what's what, what else is going on in the Marvel Universe, you know what I mean? Right. And, then, and then there's the insanely out-of-character Doctor Strange and the Moon Knight story. Man, the Moon Knight story is only good just because of the story we made of, about Doctor Strange being drunk. <laughs> like, that's pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to spend the week walking up to people and telling them that they're cursed now, you know? Oh, that's going to be... <laughs> 
New favorite hobby in public transportation. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> if you'd like to contact the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com or interact with the show on Facebook or Instagram by searching for Stranger by the Dozen. Find us on Twitter at Stranger by the Twelve, at Stranger by the One Two, and on our podcast network site at Cradleline.com. During the week, I'll post a bunch of images from these issues, so keep an eye out. Stranger by the Dozen is on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and any other podcatching app. Tune in next week as the fate of Spider-Woman is decided. Then we'll spend a little bit of time hanging out with Rom Space Knight. We'll then have adventures with possessed artists, llamas, charlatans, and our old buddies Hannibal King, Blade, and Frank Drake as Stranger by the Dozen continues. Until then, faithful listener, I say, in seconds, there was nothing left of him save Ash. And even that continued to burn until, finally, there was nothing of the creature that was known as Count Dracula. The underlings and minions who had come to his aid in times past were unable to help him now. He was, at long last, meeting his final, ultimate, irrevocable destiny. He has ceased to exist. My name is Conrad, and for my co-host, Drew... This is Stranger by the Dozen. May the Vishanti guide your path. You're cursed! You're cursed!